Back in 2019, Hollywood Studios told us exactly how they want to make movies for you in 2030. What? You didn't get the memo? Not to fear, I've got you covered. Next, on this episode of Five Things. Hello and welcome, my friends, to another episode of Five Things, a series dedicated to answering the five burning tech questions that you have about technologies and workflows in the media and technology realm, plus tech stuff I dig and how it's used. I'm still your host, Michael Thomas. In 2019, Movie Labs, a non-for-profit group founded by the five major Hollywood studios, released a white paper called the 2030 Vision Paper. This paper detailed the 10 principles that each of the studios agree is how they want to usher in the next generation of Hollywood content creation. But what are those 10 principles? Why should you care? And just who the heck is Movie Labs? Let's start there. Paramount Pictures, Sony Pictures Entertainment, Universal Studios, Walt Disney Pictures and Television, and Warner Brothers Entertainment are part of a joint research and development effort called Movie Labs. As an independent, non-for-profit organization, Movie Labs was tasked with defining the future workflows of the member studios and developing strategies to get there. This led to their authoring of the 2030 Vision paper. As Movie Labs is also charged with evangelizing these 2030 goals, they've become the Pied Pipers for future media workflows of the Hollywood studio system. Now, what most folks don't realize is that a vast majority of Hollywood is risk-averse. Changing existing, predictable, and budgetable workflows doesn't happen until a strong case can be made for significant time and cost savings. Without a defined goal to work towards, studio productions would most likely continue on the path they're already on, and only iterating incrementally. So defining these goals and getting buy-in from each studio meant there would need to be a joint effort to realize this 2030 vision. It also gave all the companies who provide technologies to the studios a broad roadmap to develop against. Essentially, everyone sees the blinking neon sign of the 2030 vision paper, and everyone is making their way through the fog to get to that sign. The 2030 vision paper is directly influencing the way hundreds of millions of dollars are and will be spent. So what exactly does this manifesto say? The 10 core principles of the Movie Lab's 2030 vision paper can be organized into three broad categories, a new cloud foundation, security and access, and software-defined workflows. The first half of these 10 principles relate directly to the cloud. Starting with principle number one, all assets are created or ingested straight into the cloud and do not need to be moved. This means that any audio and video being captured go directly to the cloud and stay there. And it's not just captured content. It's also supporting files like scripts and production notes. Captured content can either be beamed directly to the cloud or saved locally and then sent to the cloud. This media can be a mix of camera or DIT generated proxies and high resolution camera originals, plus any audio assets. As of now, an overwhelming majority of productions are saving content locally. Multiple copies and versions are made from these local camera originals, and then selected content is moved to the cloud. The cloud is usually not the first, nor the primary repository for the storage. 
Having everything in the cloud is done for one big reason. If all of the assets from production to post-production are all in one place that anyone with permission in the world can access, then we no longer have islands of the same media replicated in multiple places, whether it be on multiple cloud storage pools or sitting on multiple storages at some facilities. We'd save a metric ton of time lost by copying files, waiting for files to be sent to us, and the cost to each facility for storing everything locally. Of course, Having media in the cloud does present some obvious challenges. How do we edit, color grade, perform high-res VFX, or even mix audio with content sitting in the cloud? That's where principle number two, applications come to the media, come into play. Most local software applications for professional creatives are built on the concept that the media's assets are local, either on a hard drive connected to your computer or some kind of network shared storage. Accessing the cloud for all media introduces increased lag and reduced bandwidth that most applications are just not built for. Despite this, one of the many tech questions answered by the pandemic was, what's the viability of editing content when you don't have the footage locally? The answer is that in most cases, it's totally doable. Companies like LucidLink thrived by enabling cloud storage with media to be used and shared by remote creatives in different locations. LucidLink was the glue that enabled applications to come to the media and not the other way around. Now, in most cases, we still need to use proxies rather than high-res files for most software tools. Editing, iterating, and viewing high-res material that's sitting in the cloud is still difficult unless you have a tailored setup. Luckily, we still have seven years before 2030 and advancements on this front are constantly evolving. Working with everything while it's in the cloud also means that when it's time to release your blockbuster, you can simply point to the finished versions in the cloud. No need to upload new versions. That's where principle three comes in. Propagation and distribution of assets is a published function. This means no more waiting for the changes you've made on a local machine to export and then re-upload and then generate new links and metadata, as well as a laundry list of other things that can go wrong during versioning. The cloud will process media faster in most cases, as you can effectively edit in place. The promise is that of time savings and less room for error. Moving on, principle four gets a little wordy, but it's necessary. Archives are deep libraries with access policies matching speed, availability, and security to the economics of the cloud. See, archives generally house content that's saved for long-term preservation or for disaster recovery and should rarely, if ever, be accessed. This is because archived material is simply saved on storage that's cheaper per terabyte, but with a caveat that restoring any of that archive content will take time and thus money. The philosophy is as true for on-premises storage as it is for cloud storage. It can simply be cost prohibitive to have massive amounts of content on fast storage when access to it isn't frequent. So principle number four is saying that not everyone uses archives the same way. And if you do need to access that content in the cloud somewhere down the road, your archive should be set up in a way that it makes financial sense for the frequency of access, while also ensuring that the secure user permissions are granted to those who understand this balance. Principle number four also dovetails nicely into a major consideration with archived assets. You know, making more money. Merchandising. Where the real money from the movie is made. Sooner or later, an executive is gonna get the great and never ever thought of before idea to re-monetize archived assets. Whether it's a sequel, reboot, or some super duper special anniversary edition, you're gonna need to have access to that archived content. 
Principle number five, preservation of digital assets, includes the future means to access and edit them, provisions for this. Having content in a single location that you're allowed to see is one thing, but how do you accurately search for and then retrieve what you need is for now a challenging problem. Let's take this one step further. Years or even decades may have passed since the content was archived, and modern software may not be able to read the data properly. This technology is obsolete now. None of the current engineers can even speak the language, and the older guys are all... Are... Yeah. Some camera raw formats, as the paper points out, are proprietary to each camera manufacturer and need to be debayered using their proprietary algorithms. So do we convert the files to something more universal for now or simply archive the software as it is now that can debayer the files in the future? We simply don't have a way to 100% future-proof every bit of content. What I'm getting at here is that the content has to be fully accessible and actionable, all in the cloud. Okay, great, stuff is in the cloud, but how do I make sure that only the right people have access to it? Slow down, take a breath, as security and access is one of the three areas of attention in the 2030 vision paper. Starting with principle number six, every individual on a project is identified and verified, and their access permissions are efficiently and consistently managed. Peeling the onion layers back, this will require the industry to devise and implement a mechanism to identify and validate every single person who has access to an asset on a production, which we'll call a production user ID. This would be for all creatives, executives, and anyone else involved in the production. This production user ID would allow that verified person to access or edit specific assets in the cloud for that specific production. This also paves the way for permissions and rights that are based off the timing of the project. As the 2030 vision paper calls out, a colorist may not need access to the VFX assets, but does need final composited frames. A dubbing artist may need two weeks access to the final English master and the script, but does not need access to the final audio stems and so on. As Hollywood frequently employs freelancers and executives change jobs, this also allows for users to have their access revoked when their time on the production is over. In theory, tying this to a production user ID means that all permissions for any production you work on are administered to your single ID. You wouldn't have to remember even more usernames and passwords, which should make all of your support and IT folks watching this a little bit happier. As you can imagine, accessing the content doesn't mean it's 100% protected while you're using it. The 2030 Vision Paper Principle number 7 states that all media creation happens in a highly secure environment that adapts rapidly to changing threats. This is where I hope a biometric approach to security takes off sooner rather than later as the addition of new security layers on top of aging precautionary measures are often incredibly frustrating. Multiple verification systems also increase the chance of systems not working properly with another, which is a headache for everyone and your IT folk. Movie labs suggest security by design, which means designing systems where security is a foundational component of system design and not just a bolt-on after the fact. There is also the expectation that safeguards will be deployed to handle predictive threat detection and that hopefully this will negate the need for third-party security audits, which is a massive headache and time suck. The security model also assumes that any user at any time can be compromised. Yes, this includes you, executives. You're not above the law. This philosophy is also known as zero trust. And if you had my parents, you would totally understand the concept of zero trust. We don't trust him. Why not? Well, we don't trust anyone. 
it's sort of what we do. The last principle in the security and access section is that individual media elements are referenced, accessed, tracked, and interrelated using a universal linking system. If you've done any kind of work with proxies or managed multiple versions of a file, then you've dealt with the nightmare that is relinking files. Changes in naming conventions, time code, audio channels, or even metadata can cause your creative application du jour to throw up media offline gang signs. And this isn't just for media files. Supporting documents like scripts, project files, or sidecar metadata files can frequently have multiple versions. This means that in addition to needing a production user ID per person, you also need a unique way to identify every single media asset on a production. And every single user with permission needs to be able to relink to that asset inside the application they're using. That's a pretty tall order. The upside is that you shouldn't have to send files to other creatives. You simply send a link to the media or even just to the project file, which already links to the media. The goal is to have this universal relinking identifier functioning across multiple cloud providers. The creative application would then work in the background with the various cloud providers to use the most optimized version of the media for where and what the creative is doing. Oh yeah, and all of this should be completely transparent to the user. The last two principles are centered around using software to define our production and post-production workflows. The first, principle number nine, is that media workflows are non-destructive and dynamically created using common interfaces, underlying data formats, and metadata. This principle covers two huge areas. The first is a common ontology, that is, a unified set of terminology and metadata, as well as a common industry API. Consider this. You've been hired to work on the Fast and Furious 27, and there is, unpredictably, a flashback sequence. You need to access all the media from the previous 26 films to find clips of Vin Diesel, uh, Dom, sitting in a specific car at night, smiling. Have the 26 previous movies been indexed second by second so you can search for that exact circumstance? How do you filter search results to see if he's sitting in the car or merely standing next to it? How do you filter out if the car is in pristine shape or riddled with bullet holes after a high-speed shootout with a fighter jet? As an industry, we don't have connected ontologies, meaning we can't even agree on the term for something, say, in a production sense, that's the exact same thing in a CG sense. If we can't even agree on unified terms for things, then how can we label them so you can search for them when working on the obvious Oscar bait, Fast and Furious 27? The second ask is a common industry API or application programming interface that all creative software applications use. This allows the software to be built in such a way that they can be slotted into modular workflows. This is meant to combat compatibility issues between legacy tools and emerging workflows and reduce downtime due to siloed tech solutions. While each modular software solution can be specialized, there will also be a minimum set of data and metadata and format support that other software modules in the production workflow can understand. This also means that because of this base level of compatibility, all creative functions will be non-destructive. Now you may be thinking, how in the world is this accomplished? All changes made during the production and post-production process will be saved as metadata. This metadata can be used against the original camera files. This provides not only the ultimate in media fidelity, but also the ability to peel back the metadata layers at any time to iterate. 
we wrap up the 10 principles with workflows are designed with real-time iteration and feedback. I get that. Right here, I get that. No one likes to wait. I hate waiting. When and if principle number 10 is realized, it means no more waiting for rendering, whether it be for on-set live VFX, game engines, or even CGI in post. The processing in the cloud will negate the need to wait for renders. Feedback and iteration can be done in a significantly shorter amount of time. Creative decisions on set can be made in the moment, rather than based on renders that are weeks or months later. The 2030 vision paper also suggests this would limit post-production time, as well as budget, as more of each would be shifted towards visualizations in pre-photography. Yes-ish? There's a ton of moving parts, with both business and technology partners, that Movie Labs annually checks the industry's progress for the 2030 vision, and they provide a gap analysis and a current state of the industry on the work that remains. Without question, our industry has made advancements in areas like camera to cloud capture, VFX turnovers, real-time rendering, and creative collaboration that are all cloud native. The Hollywood Professional Association, or HPA, tech retreat this year, which has become the de facto standard for must-attend industry conferences, showcased many Hollywood projects this year, as well as their technology partners like AWS, Skywalker, and Disney Marvel. The 10 principles need a foundation to be built upon, and that means getting this cloud thing handled first. And that's just what we saw. Principles 1, 2, and 3 were the predominant principles that large productions attempted to tackle first with a smattering of software-defined workflow progress. However, these case studies also reflected where we need to make more progress, as we're already four years in to this 2030 vision. Here are a few of those gaps. Number one, interoperability, where teams, tasks, and organizations still rely on manual handoffs that can lead to potential errors and inefficiencies. Number two, custom point-to-point -point implementations still dominate which makes integrations very complex. Number three, open interoperable formats and data models are still lacking. Number four, standard interfaces for workflow control and automation are still absent throughout the industry. And number five, metadata maintenance is still inconsistent and common metadata exchange is still missing. We also have gaps in operational support where workflows are complex and often span multiple organizations, systems, and platforms. There's a gap between understanding cloud-based IT infrastructure and media workflows. All files are not created equal and media needs specialized expertise over traditional IT. Support models also need to match the industry's unique requirements, considering its global and round-the-clock nature. We also need to examine change management. We run into the fundamental problems with a move of this scale. This technology is new, constantly evolving, and is only being spearheaded by the studios and their supporting technology partners. This means few creatives have actually tried and deployed these new 2030 workflows. Plus, managing this change involves educating stakeholders, involving creatives earlier in the process, plus demonstrating the 2030 vision value and then measuring its benefits. I'm sure you have some input on one or more of these five things. Let me know in the comments section. Also, please subscribe and share this tech goodness with the rest of your techie friends. Five Things is also available as a podcast, so search for it on your podcast platform du jour. Look for the red logo. Until the next episode, learn more, do more. Thanks for watching.